Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life. Today's episode 795, just about to 800. No, I'm excited. We'll get there pretty soon. Today I called the episode, What Interferes with Happiness? Like, you know, what, what, is, what is it that gets in the way? And I, it's really important to figure that out. I want you to think, I'm going to use some examples from clients, from me, my own life, and from things that I know. But I want you to ask yourself these questions. Are you happy right now? My wife, uh, Joy, which many of you know, she's been on some episodes with me. She had an interesting observation the other day. Uh, I think it was on Alignable, uh, which is a network business networking platform that we belong to. I don't know that we do a lot. My wife does all the marketing stuff. Joy, my she's my business partner actually, so she is my wife. We're married, and I love her to death. And we've been married a long time, sixteen years, I guess. But anyway, she um, made an observation. Someone put a post on Alignable and said something about, "Are you happy?" or How's life going or whatever, you know, just some question like that. And all the comments, oh, it could not be better, way perfect. You know, a bunch of things. And her reaction, I don't know if it was the language, and I didn't read it, but the reaction that she had was, she didn't believe it. She said it's just not so, that people are like that uh, in the language that she saw. And I, I, it made me wonder a couple of things. Maybe, I'm not doubting it. I don't know, right? Maybe each person was extremely happy. I mean, the language was effusive. Couldn't be better, you know, that kind of extraordinary language. And who am I to subtract even one molecule of someone's professed excitement and joy about life? I hope it's absolutely true. But anyway, something about it made it feel not so to her. And whether it was true or not doesn't matter. It sparked this conversation and my thought about what is it that keeps us from being happy? Because obviously there are only a few comments and there's 8 billion people in the world. So are you happy right now? Really interesting and important question because if, if people are asked, if you're asked, if you think, what do you want the most? Most of the time people just want to be happy. They want to feel good. What is happy? Well, you know, there's excitement when you're going to do something you like. There's a surprise if there's a birthday party that you didn't know about or some other uh, recognition at work or you get a raise or you get a refund on your taxes or, you know, something like that that makes you feel good all of a sudden. There's a, you know, a momentary uptick in serotonin and dopamine in your, in your bloodstream and it's exciting. But I'm talking about a little bit more you know, deeper stuff, happiness without prompting, right? There's a book, and I've now forgotten who wrote it, called Happy for No Reason. And I like that idea, not because if someone, you know, I intentionally 
give my my uh, business partner, wife, lover, joy, a warm and tender hugs because I want to because I feel like that, and two, I want her to feel appreciated and loved. So I'm trying, in one way, to make her feel happy, as it were, but not just surprise or joy for a moment. Even though her name's Joy, every time I say that, I think that. But it really happy, right? Content, satisfied. Now, for me, and this is where I want you to think about your happiness, because we're going to talk about what interferes with this in a minute. For me, happiness is contentment. I'm satisfied, completely content with what I have. I don't feel a need for anything. Sure, I'll go to the store and buy stuff, or I might order something online, or uh, I was looking at some cute computer part upgrades that I want, or a different camera, or, you know, different things like that. But I, I don't need any of it. And I've taken to exploring the idea of not needing anything. Not needing anything. And I, and I go at that when people ask me, and I get this question all the time, sometimes a lot on LinkedIn. There's all kinds of people that reach out, I guess because I'm a coach, and says, we help coaches and consultants quadruple their income, et cetera, et cetera. And my first response is, I don't need anything. And I've taken to that view of I don't need anything, not because I don't consume, I eat, sleep, and buy stuff and all the rest, but I don't have the feeling of need. I don't need anything. I'm content. So that's one piece of happiness. Another piece of happy is I feel challenged. I, I feel like stuff's going on that I like. So, for example, I get to make this podcast to you and talk about stuff that's in the way that I see as a coach of people's happiness. And what I want is for you to think about, are you really happy? Are you content? Are you satisfied? Do you have good challenges that are stimulating and positive for you? Or are you feeling beat down, downtrodden, struggling, wishing things were better or any of that? I don't know the answer, but you do. And so we're going to explore what those things are. And then we're going to figure out what the truth is about what's in the way of happiness. Because there are a lot of myths. And then we're going to figure out or talk a little bit about how to change that. Because it doesn't do any good to discuss a problem if we don't also move into a solution or potential solutions. So happiness for me is being contented, being challenged, being healthy. I can do stuff. Now, it's funny because I had a lunch club meeting this morning, which is another networking platform, and I met a fellow today, and he is in the health business, and he has a particular product that he is marketing. It's a machine that increases blood flow, and it's kind of cool. I looked it up, and I don't think I'm going to buy one, but it, I could. But anyway, he's, so he's very concerned about health. And in the context of that conversation, I told him I just went physical therapy today. Now, several weeks ago, about four weeks ago now, uh, yesterday, I think it was four weeks, I went on a bike ride with the young man from our church. And for some reason, that ride really damaged my right leg, hip muscle. Now, I have some vertebrae problems, some arthritis, and some deteriorating discs in the bottom of the back. L3, L4, L4, L5, I guess those discs are really damaged, severely damaged is what the x-ray said. And so that means that uh, I limp sometimes or I have a little pain, you know, arthritis pain on the right side, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, the bike ride four weeks ago yesterday just destroyed me. And sat Friday morning, four weeks ago today, I got up good and walk. 
ah, right? I had to go, and I just toughed it out during the day. And finally, Saturday, I went to the emergency room and sat there for all afternoon. And they got me in and gave me some pain meds and some prescriptions. And we talked about what to do, et cetera, et cetera. I started going to physical therapy. And it has been really interesting to restore my walking and have a cane and you know that's going to go away in a few weeks but it was just interesting to see that damage and how it hurt and how it felt and all the rest of it so when i say i'm healthy that doesn't mean nothing's wrong i can't see very well i wear hearing aids but i'm still healthy happy and i can do stuff and i feel really good now i'm not going to go compete in a martial arts tournament like i used to but i am going to do the things i want to do what have i got to do i got to make this podcast i just narrated several chapters of my book meeting God at the door. I'm working on the audiobook. People have been after me so long to do that audiobook. And then today, later, I'm going to go over in the studio, pointing over there, and I'm going to, going to, going to, going to work on some music. So all those things are on my plate to do today, this Friday. And I'm recording this on a Friday. You won't see it till next week sometime. But it doesn't matter. That's my work today. So that's why I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm content. I don't need anything. I love myself. I'm happy with who I am. I'm in, I'm in a fabulous relationship. And there's lots of things that I want to do. I don't, I don't sit around. <laughs> my days are packed to the ceiling. But I like it that way. And I have lots of people to talk to and to help and to coach and to write and music and everything else. So that to me is happy. Are you happy? So let's talk about what gets in the way of happiness. Now, I don't know what your answer is, but here's what I hear all the time. The first thing I hear is overwhelm. That shows up in a couple of different ways. One is, I'm too busy. I have too much to do. Well, you know, I feel like that sometimes too, but then I have to step back and realize that every single thing on my calendar, and I happen to use a calendar for everything. I don't try to remember anything. But every single thing in my life on my calendar, I put there whether it's work or play or physical therapy or writing a book or working in the studio or coaching a client or doing something with my companion, any of those things I put on my calendar. Yours is the same. So if you say you're too busy, um, you create your calendar. And we'll talk about the myths in a minute because a lot of people say, I don't have a choice. I got to work. I got to work two jobs. I have to do this. I have to do that. No, you don't. But anyway, one thing is I'm too busy. Another thing is I don't have enough money. And again, the question is enough money for what? So there's an imaginary standard. There is a, you know, a roof and some food, and maybe there's some people depending on you. So there is a level and standard of living. What kind of food do you buy? You know, I remember many, many years buying everything that was only on sale, the cheapest generic brand of anything, and I thought it was silly to buy expensive name brands. Just, that was my opinion, attitude, I'm not defending it or saying anything. I did it to save money, made sure I got all the lost leaders and everything on sale so that I could make the most out of the money I have. So don't have enough time, don't have enough money, don't have enough energy. I hear that one all the time. And I don't have enough... Um, purpose in my life. I'm bored. I don't really feel like I mean anything. Days go by and they're the same one right after the other. Another thing I hear all the time is I'm not happy because my partner this, that, I got, I'm in a bad relationship. I married 
or partnered up with a stupid person. They're mean. They're not supportive. Uh, another thing I hear is I can't find a partner, so I'm unhappy because I'm lonely. Okay, and all you know, I'm happy. I'm unhappy because I'm not healthy. I hurt, so I have some pain somewhere. I'm not able to do the things I want to do, and all of those kinds of reasons. Now, maybe some of those apply to you, and some of them don't. But here's what to think about: every single one of those things is an external circumstance. It happens to be raining today, like a lot, and there's a puddle. We we went to, when we went to physical therapy. Joy and I went to, for a little drive afterwards to talk about this book launch we're creating, and it was a big puddle, uh, two or three miles down the road in this uh, residential area of uh, duplexes, and it was intended for a water basin, but it's full, and or nearly full, quite a, quite a bit. So it's raining quite a bit. Somebody could be really unhappy about that rain today on Friday. It is what it is, but that could be unhappy. It's, it used to be, it was really, really warm up through yesterday. Now the next 10 days, or 10 degrees Celsius, so 18 to 20 degrees cooler Fahrenheit. And so someone could find that irritating, and again, an externality. Not having enough money is an outside thing. Not liking my partner. They should do this. They need to quit doing that. They, they, they. So one of the common characteristics, not every one of them, but most of the reasons people list why they're not happy is outside of themselves. Some other thing from the weather to the government to the economy to the job or some other person, partner, uh, business associate, friend, whatever, is, is not doing what I want. So my will isn't ordering the universe. And so I'm not happy. I said it that way on purpose because it is so silly. You're never going to order the universe. I don't order the universe. God orders the universe. We don't do that. So the myth is that the outside things absolutely control your happiness. You control it. Now, you may allow, like you have the levers. If you allow or I allow happiness to be determined by the weather, someone, what somebody says or does, somebody disses me on social media, somebody hates one of my books, somebody hates a song, somebody doesn't show up to a coaching appointment, somebody says something or does something, somebody doesn't pay me when they're supposed to, you know, somebody causes a significant hardship on me for some reason or what could be perceived as a hardship. I'm not even going to agree to those words. All of those things are externalities. And here's the thing, I get to choose whether that bothers me or not. We live so much in the idea that, duh, if somebody yells at you and insults you, that bothers you, right? Of course it does. What else could it do? Well, it could make me laugh. I could feel empathy and sorrow for that person, sadness, that they are in a place where they feel like they need to insult somebody. Happens to be me, could be anybody. In order to feel good. This is the the real barrier to happiness. The barrier to happiness isn't all those outside things. Ever. Never. Not even one single time. The barrier to happiness for you or me every single moment, every single time is my relationship to all those things. My relationship to my bank account, 
I can decide that an empty bank account is great, presents an opportunity to go create some money. I can decide that rain is great. I can decide that however my partner is acting is great, gives me an opportunity to be empathetic and to ask more questions about what maybe I can do and what's causing the struggle for them. It may be an opportunity for me to discover the relationship doesn't work. And I can then choose to be happy about that inquiry. How can this be a blessing? Now, that might sound completely crazy to you, but here's what I've noticed. I used to live with all the stories, the work, the job, the money, the weather, the kids, the the person I was married to then, all those things out there, it was their fault. They did all this, and that's why I wasn't happy. That was just flipping the reason, period. And if any of that stuff would just get fixed, why did I get cursed with so many things? Today, I've taken all that power back, and no one, not one single person, under any circumstances for any reason, has the authority to make me happy or unhappy. Now, that progression, we'll talk about doing that in a minute, because the third part, I wanted to talk about the myths of what gets in the way of happiness and the truth, which is where we are now, and we'll talk about the change in the last part. The truth is, you control your happiness every single time, in every circumstance, no matter what. You can argue with me all you want, and I don't even care, because I have made that migration from the place of allowing all those externalities, people who cut me on the ro- off on the road, flip me off, got angry, ripped me off, um, said bad things, did bad things, stabbed me in the back, you know, on and on and on. The same things that everybody has, right? In big degrees or less degrees. Like, I, you know, I've been through bankruptcy. Maybe you have too. I've been through fatal illnesses where I died in the hospital. I'm sure you've had health challenges. I got my leg wrecked four weeks ago. I, it was four or five. I said four, but I think it was five. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm still limping and on uh, with a cane. I, I can choose to make let those things make me unhappy, and, or I can choose to do whatever I want with them. You know what? I love having this cane. I love it. I love it. You know why? I'm going to take a trip in about a week. And because I have a cane, I get to board the aircraft first because I'm actually limping. I actually need this. So maybe not quite for the first time, but nearly for the first time in my life, I get to do that. Yay. I'm excited and looking forward to that. Fun, fun, fun. And I just chose to embrace that thing. My bank account, that's a big one for people. Does, when was the last time worrying added to your bank balance? I don't know about you, but it's never added a nickel to mine. An awareness that it's not where I want it has often motivated me to action. Okay, I need $2,000. I better go figure out how to create $2,000. Now, back in the years years when I had a job or I was a contractor, consultant, and working for someone, the terms were fixed. I've been an entrepreneur now for, well, off and on for 40, 40 years, but uh, completely and only for the last 10 of my 26 years. And after all my contracts ended and I was completely on my own starting 16 years ago, if I want to create cash... I need to go do something to create cash. Now, we've done everything from run an eBay store, several eBay stores, to run antique stalls, to write books, to create a coaching practice, to create some music, 
uh, like uh, teach piano lessons. I've done a ton of things to create cash. But the thing is, it's in my hand. Now, here's the trick. So I see my bank balance where it is. And I can either get scared. Oh, no. Or I can say, okay, I need another $1,000 by the end of the week. And I can freak out about it. I can rail that this bill or that bill's due. I can choose to live in fear. Or I can just sit down and say, all right, none of that's going to create the money. What am I going to do to create the money? Well, I'll give you some examples. I created a class one day when I needed some money. I reached out. People had asked me several times about classes on meditation, classes on reading, because I read really, really fast, and I've developed a system. Classes on writing books, because I've taught that before. Classes on energy. How do you have vibrant energy all the time? I've taught that class, too, a bunch of times. And so each of those in individual circumstances, I said, well, I I need some money, so I need to go create this class. I did it. Reached out to a bunch of people. Got sometimes several people, sometimes only a few created classes $300 a ticket six people in a class there's $1,800 week after week I've done that kind of thing so your ability to create money isn't created by worry it isn't created by being sad it isn't created by being scared it's created by taking action and selling a skill into the marketplace period if you're not stealing or something like that so that creates money And if you want to create it, we'll talk more about that. I'm going to do another episode on making money is easy. But here's the truth. It isn't the bank balance that creates my negative feeling. It is my relationship to the bank balance. It isn't the language, somebody flipped me off on the road. That doesn't make me unhappy. What makes me angry or frustrated or whatever I am is my relationship to that action. I'm indignant. They shouldn't have done that. How dare they? Didn't they see the stoplight I have to stop for? Whatever it is, right? So it is never the thing. It is our relationship to the thing that gets in the way of happy. So and that's only true 100% of the time. So that's where we uh, have come to part two, which is the stories as we blame everything outside, people outside, circumstances. We pretend we're helpless and we don't have a choice. That's never true. The truth is, it is never the thing that's the problem. It's our relationship to the thing. I can laugh about being in physical therapy or going to the hospital, or I can cry. I can laugh about my bank balance and get busy and do something, or I can be upset, scared, or angry. All of those things are true. And the other piece of that now moves into part three, which is how do I change from one to the other? Because one of the greatest things of my life is in 2007, when I ended a 30-year career and started something completely new, walked away from everything, started over, I had to develop a belief. I had to develop a belief that I could do things with my controls. We're all sitting in front of the levers of our life. We mostly ignore them. It's like a sheet. You've seen those movies where somebody goes into a house that hasn't been occupied for a while, and there's dust all over the place, and there's you know sheets or blankets on top of furniture, and a big grand piano over there, and a big bookcase here, and the dining room table, and there's there's sheets all over, right, covered with dust. Well, that's mostly how we treat the controls of our life. They're there, they're right there in front of us, but they're covered with a sheet and they're dusty, and we have been giving away 
control of our happiness to external circumstances, other people, their language, things that happen outside of us, silly things like the weather, the boss, and all the rest of it. So here's the piece I want to make sure you we drive home or at the end or the last part. You can change because I did. When I left my last contract job in at the end of 2007, I walked away and didn't have any idea what I was going to do. Nothing planned. I'm done with that. I'm starting over. I thought about doing music, so I put the studio together and started recording songs. Uh, Joy was uh, an online, a very, very successful online merchant. She also ran a couple of antique stalls, so I helped her there. We bought a bunch of antique stuff and put it in stalls, and I put up shelves and helped her stock. And when she sold stuff on eBay, I did packing and shipping. And at the same time, I was busy doing a lot of personal work because during the years that I had left all my controls dusty and covered, I'd given in to all kinds of crazy stuff because of depression. I'd had addiction problems and everything else. Big struggles, life-threatening struggles, to the point that a couple times I'd attempted suicide. So really serious. So I had a lot of personal work to do so that I could get past this and get on a get on an even you know, level ground so I could start building what I wanted to build with my controls, my happiness, instead of something outside, over there, somebody else. All right, so let's talk about how to change that. Now, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you how I changed it, and I can offer you some resources, okay? How I changed going from a victim to an owner, victim of all the circumstances around me where everything else interfered with my happiness, to an owner of my life where I control all the levers, I know I do, I own it, and I get to be happy every day, and I don't need anything. So the first thing I did was decide, I'm going to do this. I didn't know how. I didn't know how hard it was going to be, how long it was going to take, or anything else. But I decided I'm done living as a victim. I'm done living at the mercy of all those things. Even though those things are going to continue, everybody's going to do whatever they're going to do. I'm no longer going to be a victim of that. By allowing that to make me mad, sad, frustrated, helpless, you know, the victim speak. So that was it. And I had to remake that decision maybe a million times, uh, or maybe at least 10,000 or something in the last 16 years, because we're so trained to live in the victim role. So the first thing I did was decide. The second thing I had to do was start to think about what does make me happy. What do I need? I need some money. I need to make a contribution. I want to add good to the world. And I've developed this language over time, and it was two or three years into that healing process that I decided I wanted to be a coach. Because, And here's why. Not because it was just something to do, but because of what I was learning, I realized I had allowed my victimhood to trash my life. I looked around me, and I saw so many people doing just what I was, living in mediocrity, blaming other things, and letting themselves be unhappy, the victim of their own lack of control, the victim of that sheet over their own controls. And as I, you know, ripped off the sheet, took controls, figured out how they worked, my own attitudes, my own feelings, my ability to be happy no matter what, I realized, holy crap, I've got all these controls. And I see all these other people with sheets of dusty sheets over their controls. I'm going to help. I'm going to help. I want people to learn, to know, to understand what I've learned. Holy moly. And that's when I started writing. So I wrote five books on meditation and started writing and 
other books and decided, I'm going to be a coach. I don't even know what that is. So I looked it up online and I got some classes and did all the rest. The same thing you would do if you decided you wanted to be anything. I wanted to do some music. So I'd already done a recording studio for many years. So I knew a bunch about that. But I hadn't ever written a book before, so I had to learn about that. I had to learn about coaching. I had to learn about all the things associated with that. So the first thing was, I'm changing, no matter what. That was ride or die. The second thing was, all right, I don't know what direction I'm going, but I'm going to keep trying things until I find stuff that works, that makes gradual improvement. One of the fallacies that we're going to jump from victim to victor in one moment. Well, it doesn't work that way, because if you've got a lifetime, like I did, of being a victim and letting other things control your happiness, jumping to victor in one minute isn't the way it goes. You may jump up there, fall down, jump up, fall down, jump up, fall down. Glimpses of the good view, back on your face. So it takes commitment, it takes dedication, and I needed a lot of professional help, and I also needed good coaches. That was another reason that I wanted to be a coach, besides sharing all the stuff I was learning I was the beneficiary of good coaching. Coaching meaning just like an athletic coach, someone who's watching what I'm doing, giving me feedback, like an athlete, stand here, hold the racket that way, do this, do that. I played volleyball in college, and so I had coaches there about how to do the things that you do in volleyball, you know, bump, set, spike, all the rest. So I understood the benefit and had been receiving coaching in different ways all my life. I'd been a piano teacher, so I started doing that too. And I changed the way I was doing that to recognize the effectiveness of the coaching approach. So this is the point. Determination. Start today. Make incremental progress and get the help you need. The most important change when I started this journey into getting rid of all the excuses, going from victim to victor, owner of life, is to stop giving anybody else control. Stop making excuses. Take control myself. Be kind. Be full of love to myself because I knew I was going to make mistakes. And then just get on with it. Now, this thing on the screen, if you're watching the video, www.ultimatelifechallenge, it is something I offer. I have books. I'm right now in the middle of that audiobook that I've told you about. There's the book, Meeting God at the Door is an interesting story, when I died in 2018. But the real help books are the Book of Context, which is about having a framework and tool to change what you believe, which in this victim-victor thing is a big deal. The next book is called Walking Without Fear, which also accompanied another terrifying health situation that happened to me six months after the near-death did. I was out of the hospital four months, and here we were again. And I learned the real meaning of what fear is, what it isn't, and how to literally walk without fear. I do not experience fear any longer. But it what didn't come as a gift, it didn't come in Amazon, it came with work. And I've shared those processes. So if any of that stuff, false beliefs, limiting beliefs, being debilitated or held back by fear... There's a couple of resources. www.ultimatelifechallenge.com is a thing that I offer once a month. The next one will be in about four weeks in September to help people get clear about what they want to do and make those decisions. If I can help you, I 
I will, I am. This is my goal. You have the right to choose. You have those controls. Yank off the sheets, dust off the controls, and get started to creating your life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. Your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart.